Good morning. Hope you've had a great weekend so far. We are glad you're here to start a new week with us here at Great Oaks. It's a fun time of year, uh, with time of shopping and gifts and food and family and get-togethers. But in the midst of all that, it sometimes becomes busyness. Let's make sure we don't let God get pushed out. So we're really glad you're here this morning to worship with us, hopefully reminding ourselves what's most important and giving God the glory and worship that He deserves. Those of you that are visiting with us, thank you for being here. We always like our visitors to know that we are trying to simply be undenominational followers of Jesus Christ, try to encourage everybody we know to do the same, and we'd love for you to join us in that, and to trying to simply be followers of Christ, simply be Christians. While we put Church of Christ on the sign, we're trying to simply be followers of Christ. If we can help you in any way, uh, please let us know. We're really glad you're here with us this morning. This morning we're going to be concluding our year-long theme. We've been talking about transformation all year long. I hope this will be a good conclusion to the emphasis we've had for the year. Uh, Let's pray about it, and then we'll jump into our lesson together. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for a morning that we can come together as your people. We're so thankful. We see your wisdom and the plan that we'd start every week together, and we'd start every week together before you. God, we're thankful for the time of worship we've had already. We pray you be with our lesson. We pray that as we talk one more time about transformation, that it will be something that you're doing in all of our lives. We pray that we will be allowing it to happen. We pray that we'll be working to make it happen uh, with your help. God, we love you. We pray you help us to love you even more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's become our tradition to take a theme every year and try to emphasize it. We don't have every lesson on it or even every month about it, but we try to talk about it throughout the year, and hopefully a few things stand out as we go through these annual themes. And this year's idea of transformation, just a great idea. When we see people whose lives have been changed through Christ, uh, it lights us up because we see the goodness of God, we see the power of God, we see what's possible. And too often we look around and we we think things aren't possible. We're we're more faithless than we should be. And so when we see transformations happen in people's lives, in our lives, it just reminds us there really is a real God who's really working in people. Here's a few things that I hope have stood out, if you're keeping the outline. A few things that I hope have been consistent themes that maybe will stick with us. The first is simply the idea of change. Change is possible. Let us never convince ourselves that we can't change. We even say things like, you you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Sometimes we act as if change is not possible. Sometimes we look at people or ourselves and say, I'm just sort of who I am. They're just sort of who they are. We're neglecting the idea of the gospel, which is that change is always possible. One of the passages we looked at, we studied through 1 Corinthians back in the spring. And one of the passages of 1 Corinthians, he says, Do you not know, chapter 6, starting verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he gives this list of sins. There's other sins in the Bible besides these, but he gives this representative list. He says, you can't go to heaven living like this. But then look at verse 11. Such were some of you, he says, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. 
We've taken verses this year and tried to take a verse for the month. We don't have a verse for the month here in December, but I've got several verses I'd like us to say together as a church family this morning. And let's let this be the first one. So if you would, please read with me 1 Corinthians 6.11, a verse about change. Let's read it together. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. That was one of our verses of the month this year. Such were some of you. Everyone's a sinner. We're all sinners. We all stand before God as guilty. But there's change. There's change in Christ. We are washed. We're sanctified. We're justified. We're made right through Jesus Christ. So I hope the idea of change stands out. Hopefully the idea of new stands out. Do you ever want a new start? We feel that way sometimes. Just wish I could start over. Wish I could do this differently, that differently. Well, we can't turn, turn back the clock. We can't go backwards. The, the calendar keeps moving. The world keeps spinning. Um, and it's the consequences of what we've done, in a lot of ways, will always be there. But what can be new is a new time of forgiveness, a new time of commitment, a new time of moving forward with, with no guilt before God and moving forward in the strength of God. We saw that in places like 2 Corinthians 5. We studied through 2 Corinthians here in the fall. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Again, I'd like you, if you would, let's read this together. Please read with me, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We are new in Christ. And there's always a chance for a, a renewed commitment and a renewed emphasis of living for Him as long as we're in Christ. The third thing I've got on that first section, just ideas that I hope have stood out from the year, the idea of God's strength. You may say to yourself sometimes, I can't change. And you may be right. The good news is it's not just you. It's God's strength that causes the change. And that's been a consistent theme of our year too. Hopefully we see it in places like 2 Corinthians 3.18. And again, if you would, please read this passage with me. Let's read it aloud. He says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. We are looking at Christ as if we're looking in a mirror, and he says we're being transformed. And how does that transformation happen at the end of the verse? From the Lord, the Spirit. We took a month back in the spring. I think it was April, may have been May, but I, somewhere back in the spring we talked about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit continually in Scripture is described as the engine of transformation in the Christian life. And we don't know completely how that happens. We know in some way the Spirit lives in us. We know He speaks through His Word. In some way that comes together in strengthening us to really live for God. When we couldn't change or we couldn't be better, God's Spirit helps us do that. We saw that in places like 1 Peter 1, 2, where he says the work of the Spirit is to sanctify us. Sanctifying means to make us holy. The Spirit makes us holy. Romans 8, 13 says, By the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. can't always do it by yourself, but by the work of God's Spirit, He gives you the strength. Ephesians 3, 16 says the same thing. We're strengthened with power, through His Spirit in the inner man. He's not talking about miracles in that passage. He's talking about a spiritual strength that God gives us. So as we try to live for God, even when we feel like we can't change or be transformed, God's strength steps into that gap. And if we'll let Him, He will change us. 
And so hopefully that's what we're challenged, we've been challenged to do this year. And it's hopefully what we're all committing ourselves to do even into the future, to be transformed in Christ. What I want us to do to conclude this series for the year is to ask the simple question, okay, how do we do that? How do I get from where I am to where God knows I can be? How can I be like Peter and David and Paul and all these people in the Bible who started so far away and yet we see God do great things in their life? How can I follow a similar path? You've just told me that I can change. you just told me I can be new. you just told me God will help. What's the path to make it happen? Well, I think you see it in at least two transformation passages. We won't read these aloud together, but if you keep the outline, you may want to write them down. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 that William read for us just a minute ago. Transformation passage, and I want you to notice the path, how he says it happens. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So I'm giving, I'm giving my life to God, okay, but how does it change? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So I give my body fully to God, verse 1 says, and he says you're transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. My mind changes over time. The other passage that says about the same thing is Ephesians chapter 4. If you've been with us all year long, we spent our summer months walking through the latter part of Ephesians chapter 4. We talks about taking off the old man. There's always stuff to take off. We constantly have to be taking off the old man and putting on the new man. And so he describes things like lying and honesty. We take off dishonesty. We put on honesty. We take off bitterness. We put on forgiveness. All these different things in the last part of Ephesians 4. And in starting that whole section, he says in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then what, verse 24? And then put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So what's the bridge between verse 22, we take off the old self, and verse 24, we put on the new self? There's a mind change there in verse 23. What those passages tell me is the bridge to transformation. The way I get from where I am to where I want to be in Christ, or where God wants me to be in Christ, is right up here. There's a mind change. There's a thinking change. And I've got to make that happen with the help of God. I've got to start taking those steps. How does that work? Well, that works because thoughts grow. When you put a thought in your mind, you let it sit there, it, it grows. You see that in Scripture. For example, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says in verse 6, I planted, so Paul shared the gospel with them. Apollos watered, he kept teaching the gospel, but God caused the growth. In other words, that I, those ideas of gospel and, and sin and, and eternity and salvation, all those thoughts that Paul brought when he brought the gospel, so those things went in your mind and they, and they grew. They grew with the help of God who was causing the growth. But... I guess you know God's not the only one planting seeds. Satan is also planting seeds of thought. And sometimes bad seeds grow too. I'm interested in Hebrews chapter 12 where he says in verse 15, you don't want a root of bitterness to spring up. For something to put down roots, that means it's growing. 
He says, you don't want bitterness to be allowed to grow. So as Satan's scattering his seeds of what he wants us to think, if we're not careful, those things take root and those things grow. So what I put in my head, it, it grows. And i got to be careful because what I'm putting in my head and allowing to grow, that's who I am becoming. If I keep putting angry thoughts in my head, bitter thoughts in my head, guess what? I'm on the path to becoming an angry, bitter person. If I'm putting godly thoughts in my head, thoughts of living more for Christ and, and greater commitment and, and sinning less and living more for Him, then that's who I am becoming. Those thoughts become actions. Jesus said in Mark 7 and other places that the sins we commit, they come from the heart. And so what, what's from inside us, it results in action. got together with a friend a couple years ago, and I, I could tell he was having a hard time, so we got together and, and had coffee. And we hadn't talked about serious stuff in a long time. And the whole conversation made me sad. Because as we're talking, it's very, it was very obvious to me that he had let a lot of ungodly thoughts build up in his mind. And he was accepting things that, that culture says about Christianity that aren't true. And, and he was mad at the world, and he was mad at God, and he was mad at his relationships in his life. And, and he was, you could tell was, there was materialism growing in him, there was a self-centeredness growing in him. And, and as he's talking, as, as we're talking, my mind is spinning, thinking, I don't, I don't even know where to start to, to, try to, to try to encourage him back toward God and try to encourage him back toward better thinking. What I wished I could do is go back a year, a year and a half and, and have this conversation because what was obvious to me is all these bad thoughts, sinful thoughts, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts, worldly thoughts had taken root and they had been growing for too long. And that's who he had become. He had become materialistic and angry and bitter and, and sinful. There was so much to untangle. And again, I believe in the power of God and if, and if he would allow himself to let God change. That wasn't the end of the story if he wouldn't allow it to be the end of the story. But it just made me sad. But then I think of other people who, who make me smile. People who you can look back at their life and say they were so far away from God. And now look at them. Look at how the years have changed them. They're, they're Christian examples and they're strong and they love God and they love Scripture and they're growing in their faith. How they get from here to there, what had happened? They let God's Word plant seeds, and grow roots. And that had grown in their minds, and it was producing action in their life. That's how you get from where you are to where you're going. It's your thoughts. What you let in your mind, what you let grow. So let's spend the rest of our time this morning. I've got three things. Three things we need to be doing. You may have more, but I've got three. To make sure we're building that bridge toward better thinking, toward better, letting God work in our lives better so that we can be the transformed people in Christ that God wants us to be. First thing I've got comes from Philippians 4, verse 8. On each of them, I've got a scripture and then hopefully a thought that comes out of that scripture. Philippians 4, verse 8. And again, I'd like you to please read this verse with me, if you would. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Dwell on these good things, these godly ideas of honorable and right and pure and lovely, of good repute, excellence, worthy of praise. Those are the things I've got to intentionally put my mind on. So what do I get out of that? 
I must fill my mind with godly thoughts and try to avoid bad ones. Let's start with the avoiding part first. I need to stop and think every now and then about why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking and what's producing those thoughts. Um, And it may mean, as you look at your own life, it may mean sometimes that you've got to take a break from Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever social media you're on. That may be the thing you need to do if it's causing... If it's causing thoughts that aren't good, it's causing frustration. If it's causing roots to grow and seeds to be planted that shouldn't be there. It may mean turning off the news for a while because things are frustrating in the world. I was reading a guy, been several years ago now, and he'd written a book on different things. And he said that he was taking a, what he called a media fast. where he, he had more money than most of us, but he went off to some island for a year and just didn't, didn't read the newspaper, didn't watch TV or anything for a whole year. At least that's what he said he did in the book. Um, he said, you know what I learned? The world keeps spinning whether I'm watching the news or not. <laughs> it doesn't need me. It doesn't need me to be reading it to know what all's going on. Maybe that's what you need, to take a step back from the news or the sports world. Or maybe there's a relationship. That, that's frustrating, that, that a boss or a friend or, or a, a family member, um, that you may need to put a little arm's distance. And hopefully you can do that politely and do that in a Christian way. But you may find that this person is, is producing thoughts that are hurting you spiritually. And so you try to put a little bit of a, a godly arm's distance there. I think that's possible. I've got to find what's causing the bad thoughts, the ungodly thoughts, I've got to avoid those. Philippians 4.8 says dwell on the good things. And I've got to fill my mind with better stuff. And again, isn't that why God wants us to come together every week as His people? And isn't that why we sing songs to God and about God? And isn't that why we have lessons from Scripture? And isn't that why we have Bible classes? And isn't that why God's given us a Bible that we can study at any time or pray at any time? Um, maybe it means being around people in your life that you know are going to encourage you spiritually, make you want to be better spiritually. I've got to find a way. Where am I being hurt in my spiritual thoughts? And where am I being helped? And I've got to steer myself toward the places that make me stronger and make me better. Second passage is 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Again, if you would, please read this verse with me. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul says we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, the only, the only downside of number one, where you just avoid bad thoughts and you put on good thoughts, is it's got limitations. Uh, there's only so much you can do to avoid things that frustrate you in the world. I mean, there's still going to be rush hour traffic, and there's still going to be the boss that's a jerk, and there's still going to be somebody's going to say something to you that's annoying if you're around people long enough. That's what we do. So there's still going to be these, there's a limitation to how much you can really avoid the stuff that frustrates you. There's going to be a limitation to how much you can avoid temptations to sin. I think we've all had the experience of doing perfectly innocent things online or watching TV and things pop up that... God doesn't want me looking at that. God doesn't want that there. Um, I wasn't seeking it out, but there it is. So what am I going to do in those times when the thoughts arise, even when I was trying to avoid them? I've got to be able to match bad thoughts with better thoughts. Take that thought captive, if you want to use that terminology from 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. 
There's a, there's a bad thought, a negative thought that's gotten there. I want to make sure it doesn't stay there. Because if I let it stay there, it's going to produce something bad if I'm not careful. We, had a, we tried to grow a garden a few years ago. Um, I say tried to because it didn't work out very well. I don't know if we just didn't know what we were doing or didn't put in the time or whatever. But there was one year. We did it over two years. And so at the end of one year, uh, we'd heard, you know, maybe if you just throw some old plants and stuff in the garden, maybe it'll give it some fertilizer. So maybe next year's garden will be better. And so we'd done all the Halloween stuff and all that. And we had a pumpkin. And so we threw the pumpkin into the garden, um, hoping that maybe it would, it would help the garden soil or whatever the next year. And so the next year we're growing our stuff, and there's this weird little thing that's popping up right beside the garden. And we couldn't figure out what in the world it was. And it's getting bigger, and it's getting bigger, and getting bigger. And finally, it gets big enough where we realize that's a pumpkin vine. I don't know if it's a vine, but it's a pumpkin plant growing right there next to the garden. We didn't plant a pumpkin there. We didn't plant, we didn't take a seed and and carve it out and and put it in and and cover it up. We didn't do any of that. What happened, though, was the... A seed apparently was in there and, and had sat there long enough that it planted itself and, and started growing. A few years ago, out here in the church parking lot, um, on this side over here, as you go back on the outside of the Mother's Day Out wing, and that classroom wing, in the crack of the parking lot, there was this weird vine growing up, this weird plant thing. And so some of us had walked by and noticed it and asked about it. And, and finally somebody came by and we said, what, what is this? And this person knew what they were talking about. I said, that's a watermelon growing there just in the crack of the parking lot. So what in the world's a watermelon doing here? And so we thought back. We thought, oh, we had the, the New Year's Eve thing a few months ago where we did some silly stuff, and we threw a watermelon off the roof of the, the building. If you didn't know about that, I apologize. We'll, we'll, we'll repent about that later. But we threw a watermelon off the, off the roof of the building, and we thought we'd cleaned it all up, but apparently we hadn't, and a seed had sat there long enough that started growing a watermelon. Now, we, no one planted a watermelon in the church parking lot, and if they did, that's sort of funny, but I don't think that's what happened. I don't think anybody planted the watermelon there. The seed just sat there long enough, and it, and it became embedded and started growing. And if we're not careful with bad thoughts, you don't necessarily have to plant them. But if you let them sit there, they can plant themselves, and they can start producing some bad stuff. And so when those bad thoughts come up, I don't need to just let them sit there. When those temptation thoughts come up, I don't need to just let them sit there. I ain't take them captive. I need to make sure no thought goes unchallenged without a better thought from God. And I wrote down a few things that maybe we need to have in our minds ready to, ready to tell ourselves when those bad thoughts come up because there's, there's plenty of things I need to be ready uh, to tell myself. I need to be ready to say when I feel angry towards someone or something, I'm not going to become overcome by evil. I'm going to overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12, 21. When people are mistreating me, I'd be ready to say, I'm going to show love to others because God has shown love to me. That's 1 John 4, verse 11. When I'm tempted to worry about the future, I'd be ready to tell myself, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to trust His promise and I'm always going to have what I need. That's Matthew 6, verse 33 and 34. When I'm tempted to be materialistic, see all the stuff everybody else has, boy, maybe I should be chasing that stuff. I'd be ready to tell myself, I brought nothing into this world. I'm not taking anything out. So I'm going to choose contentment. That's 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-8. When those sinful temptation things pop up, I need to be ready to say to myself, I don't want sinful things. I trust God's way is best. I trust God's going to bless me appropriately. It's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. 
Sometimes I'm going to look at the world and say, I wish things were different this way or that way. It's a lot too much too big for me, though. I'd be ready to say, this situation is too big for me to do anything about it. I'm not going to sit and worry about it. God, I hand it to you, trusting that you know what to do with it. That's 1 Peter 5, verse 7. When I'm tempted to put down my own physical roots here in this world, make it too much of my home, I need to tell myself, this is not my home. I'm seeking something bigger and something better. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. You get the idea. Whenever those bad thoughts come up, don't just let them sit. They'll, they'll plant themselves if you're not careful. Match it with a better thought. Don't let those sinful temptation thoughts stay. Don't let those worldly thoughts stay. Remind yourself every time, who does God want me to be? Don't let the bad thoughts take root. Third passage I've got, last passage I've got, is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Where he says here, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. So notice the passage starts in verse 6 with being anxious, being worryful, and then in verse 7 it says, After that, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you would, again, please read verse 6 with me, because notice the bridge from anxiety to peace here. He says his prayer, and especially prayer with thanksgiving. Let's read it together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So I go from anxiety to peace by praying, by praying with thankfulness. So that's what I've got for this third one. I've got to have more thankful prayers. You may find there's a time in your life uh, where the negative thoughts, the ungodly thoughts sort of simmer. And if you're not careful, you keep hitting the rewind button on them and playing them over and over and over again. Maybe on a drive to work. Maybe uh, drifting off to sleep at night. Maybe uh, watching TV when when you're just sitting around in that dead time right before you go to bed. Whenever it is, whenever those, those bad thoughts are there, I need to be careful not to just let those things keep running, not just let the anger and the bitterness and all that stuff start building up. Great way to handle it. Uh, handle that worry, that bitterness, all those thoughts that shouldn't be there is to pray. And to simply say, as Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 said it, say, God, I'm handing this to you. It frustrates me. I don't know why the world's this way. I don't know why this person is that way. I don't know why things aren't different. Um, Whatever the thoughts are, God, I hand them to you because you can do something with them. And then start praying a prayer of thankfulness. Just listening to God. Thankfulness for all the things you do have. And you know what that does? That plants seeds. That plants seeds of thankfulness. And soon over time, you'll see your mind start turning from discontent to content. And you'll see your mind start turning from focusing on the stuff that you don't like and stuff you shouldn't be focusing on to the good things God has given you. Again, those seeds get planted and those seeds grow. We need more thankful prayers if we're wanting to build a mind that produces transformation. And that's what I hope all that would do. If we commit ourselves to really being transformed, we want to build a bridge that fills our mind with godly thoughts and avoids bad ones. We want to make sure we're matching bad thoughts with better thoughts. And we want to make sure we're praying prayers of thankfulness. Rye's fifth grade class here recently took a field trip to the Shiloh Military Park an hour and a half or so from here. I know some of you all like that, enjoy seeing historical places where battles were fought, some of you have been down to Vicksburg. Some of you have even been up to places like Gettysburg. And I guess people like to look at those places and say, there was a, there was a momentous 
battle here. Like things that mattered uh, happened here. Things that changed the world, things that affected people's lives positively and negatively, they, they happened right here. You know where the battle for your soul is going to be fought? It's going to be fought right here. Right here. This is where Satan's going to be working. This is where God is going to try to be working. And your faith, your soul, is going to be won or lost in how you allow yourself to think. Are you going to let Satan's ideas plant roots and grow? Are you going to focus yourself on God and let God, through His strength, grow the things in your life that need to be grown there? What I hope you never think to yourself is that you're a finished product because you're not. None of us are finished products. None of us have gone too far down one path or another that the other paths aren't possible. Um, Our kids sing the song, how loving and patient he must be, God's still working on me. And that's so true. Not just because they're kids, because they're people. God's working on all of us if we'll let him. And what I want to let God do, I want to let God allow Christ to increase in me and I want myself to get out of the way because, because myself is filled with selfishness and sinfulness and all that. We've got to get ourselves out of the way, as John the Baptist said in John 3, verse 30. He must increase and I must decrease. That's what transformation is all about. And what that tells me also is that there is a better me always waiting around the corner. If only I will allow God to work in my life. Let's commit ourselves to that. Let's recommit ourselves to growing, not being satisfied with where we're at spiritually, but start building that bridge of where we want to be, and with the help of God, we'll see it happen in our lives. This morning, if you are not a Christian, the first step on that life transformation is to let your sins be washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ, and you make that commitment, the Bible calls it repentance, to living for Him. We often summarize what the Bible says about how to become a Christian. is hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. I think you see all those things are in Scripture. All important. And when that act of baptism happens, our sins are washed away, the Bible says. We rise to walk a new life. A new life. A transformed life. Starting down a better path. Maybe you're here today. We don't know everybody's background. But maybe you came in here today and you've been thinking about becoming a Christian. If you'd like to talk more about that, what the commitment is, what baptism is, what all it entails, we'd love to talk with you. We'd be happy to study with you privately, show you what the Bible says, let you make your own decision. Maybe you came in here ready, ready to have your sins washed away, ready to start a new life with Christ. We'd love to see you become a Christian by being baptized in Christ. Or if you're here, if we can pray for you for anything, we're about to sing a song. If anybody has any needs during this song, you can come down to the front. We'll be here ready to talk with you and ready to pray with you. If we can help you in any way, you can come to the front now while we stand and while we sing. Have my own way.